Good morning to all listening and those that will listen. Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air on this Saturday morning, March the 2nd. My name is Sean. I'm here with Phil, and we will be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Phil, that was a big yawn. Uh, are we ready to go this morning? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I was just joking because I've, I've had a few of those myself because where we are, we're at six o'clock in the morning. I know. I made you oxygen deprived because of the yawn. So, <laughs> Yeah, we all need to take that nice, long, deep breath to get us all going this morning. But um, this morning, and this happens sometimes is we were walking a few nights ago and this is something that we had talked about at the end of the walk and I had this come to mind a few times. So I was like, well, this is a good topic. This is something we can talk about. We've touched on this before, but with the truth of Yah, the word of the Lord is living and active. So circular perspective coming around to it, talking about it again. And when we ended and well, not that it ended there, but when we were talking, the concept of this came up and this is where the, the beginning of this is, do I have to? And we actually touched on this on a podcast many months ago about baptism and questions that people would ask, do I have to be baptized? Do I have to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do I have to do these things? Do I have to keep the law that's in the Old Testament, stuff like that? And it really got my mind going and was really, even to this moment, a, a big help to me in my faith. And from the aspect that we were talking about this is, you could take this in just so many different ways, but where I'm going to start with this is, in life, which our life is our faith, that there are things that you have to do. And I'll give a little bit deeper perspective. There are requirements. There are requirements with your job. There's requirements with whatever responsibilities you take on. And without any kind of law, any kind of rules, then there is nothing that we can base requirements on. We have the law of God, which is the foundation, which is the order of all things. And what's interesting about this, and I was rolling this this morning, and it's one of those things where it's so important to understand what Yah does, how they operate, even going back before where we've said a good study is to really evaluate what does it mean for Yah to be 
who they are, why they do the things that they do. You can't get away from this in life that in order to go to your job, you have to get up out of bed. You have to get up. You have to walk. You have to go out to your car. Things that you have to do. But the perspective of it, and because we're coming at it from a faith in Yah perspective, is why are you doing what you're doing? What is your motivation to do what you're doing? Because if somebody says to us, if they say, do I have to do this? Then it makes me think, okay, so are you coming from a mindset to where you really don't want to do it? And you're thinking, well, what do I have to do to get by? Or do you really, what's your, your mindset in this? Because in faith in God, there are requirements that in order to enter the kingdom of God, that you have to be in Messiah and and you have to remain in Messiah in order to ultimately enter the kingdom. Well, that's a requirement that has to be done. Messiah himself, when he was immersed into the water by John the Baptist, he said, this must be done in order to fulfill all righteousness. Well, he wouldn't have said it if it didn't have to be done. But what happens is, is that we look at it from, you can actually look at it from a couple of different ways, but it's either you're on one side or the other, because yes, there are requirements and and I'll speak to my job. I'm a claim adjuster in, in the insurance industry and there are things that I have to do with my job that if I don't do those things, then I have no job. I'm going to lose the job that I have. But what is my mindset in it is what makes the difference in a statement of, do I have to do these things? Yes, I do. But just because I have to do them, I make the decision if I want to do them or if I don't want to do them. They still have to be done. But my attitude in it, my mindset in it, determines if it's going to be obligation for me or if it's going to be submission for me. And this is the, what I was saying about the key in this is, is that we start out from an obligation perspective, but the point of it is to transfer from that obligation perspective to a submissive submission perspective because We've been told this by Yah, that Yah told us that they hate obligated compliance. So compliance is still there. The the requirements, that's the compliance that you go to a job. Here's a list of rules. Here's a list of requirements that we expect you to comply with, which means we expect you to do what we ask you to do. So there's compliance. But the preference, and I would look at this as most employers would prefer if you had an employee that did what you asked them to do, but having an attitude of a cheerful, a willing participant, as opposed to you're doing these things, but you're complaining and you're upset and you're frustrated all the time. Well, 
what would you rather do as an employee? Would you rather have an employee that has a cheerful attitude and is doing what you ask? Or would you rather somebody come in and just kicking boxes and always upset and always complaining, but they get the job done and well, ultimately just using what we've said is common sense that if it was me, I would want the person that really wants to do it because that's, what's pleasing to me. And it's the same thing with Yah that yes, the law of God that we should comply with the law of God, but it should be from a, a, a mindset into the heart of a submission, which is I'm doing this because I really want to do it versus I'm doing this because I'm looking to gain favor with God. I'm looking to escape hell. I'm looking to gain salvation because yes, if somebody were to ask me, do I have to be baptized in faith in God? Yes, you have to, but the mindset should be, I've evaluated this just like the Ethiopian eunuch that, Hey, there's water. Why should I not be baptized? Well, you can, but where it'll benefit us is when there's the submissive aspect because Phil, I'm sure you've heard this in your life that somebody will say, if you do what you love to do, it's not work that you go to a job and it's not work for me because I want to do it. Well, it is labor, but to you, it can be rest versus to somebody else. It's backbreaking labor. And, uh, something that really spoke to me on this this morning was the, when in Hebrews where it talks about that there's a rest for the people of God, it's not talking about that you get to retirement in this world, that there's a rest and you just sit back in your lazy boy and you do nothing and you just watch TV and there's nothing you do. You just eat grapes and drink wine and no, there's no work. No, it's talking about an aspect of being under the law, which is you're doing things because of obligation, because you have to, but it's not necessarily your desire versus being in the law, the spirit of the law, which is submission, which there's rest. The rest for the people of God is you've been given reprieve from being under the law that you don't carry the weight of obligation, but there's still weight with you doing things willfully that the rest is you get to rest from the curse of being under the law, which is you've, you do these things because you have to do them. If you don't do them, then you're condemned. Well, but the other side of it, submission is, this is what I desire. This is what I'm going to desire. I'm going to do this because I want to. And therefore for me, I rest in my mind, but I still do work. It's just like if you and I go to work and we both have the mindset that I really want to be here at my job, then we're laboring. But in my mind, I have peace. I have that rest to where, because we know from the word of God that it's not about that you don't do anything because when Messiah was with his disciples, the people around were getting on them for it's the Sabbath and you're plucking the heads of grain. What are you doing these things? Well, if it was just about you did nothing, then Messiah wouldn't be out in the field plucking grain or even said, Hey, if you're, 
on the Sabbath and you have a neighbor that has a sheep that fell in a pit, are you not going to do good on the Sabbath and, and help them to get the sheep out of the pit? So it's not about that you just don't do any physical anything. It's a mindset change from, no, there's a rest. There's a, a peace that you can have because you're doing what you're doing because you want to do it. And like, because Yah hates obligated compliance, they love willful compliance, which is submission. So in Messiah, we get to transfer from obligation to submission. That's where the rest lies, is I'm doing this because I really want to. I'm not tying God to give me any reward. I'm not tying God to owe me eternal life, anything. I'm doing this because it's right to do. I agree with this. And I want to have this relationship with you. I'm not looking at it to as a obligation, like a wage, like I do this, God, so now you give me eternal life, or I do this, God, so you give me favor. No, I do it because I want to. I want to have this relationship, and I thought about me and you that I could have the attitude of while I'm coming over here and while I have to be with Phil and we have to do the podcast, so it's just I have to, or no, I really want to do this. I get to have conversational relationship with you, with y'all, get to do this. This is what I want to do. And I'm not looking to just get something from you. No, I just want to be around you. I want to spend time with you. Then I'm not looking to just get something from you out of a, a selfish perspective. And that's really where my mind went with this when we were talking was that yes, in life and in faith, there are requirements. There are things that, that you have to do. You have to go through the gospel message that you've got to go through each step. You must have circumcision of the heart in order to be in Messiah. And then ultimately you must remain in him to enter into the kingdom. But we don't have to carry a burden of, well, I have to do this and frustration and complaining. We can transform that to yes. I do have to, but I have to, but I want to. And ultimately from that, not just that you want to, but that I'm going to, that, that I'm going to walk in this faith and I'm doing it because I really want to, that I'm, because my desire is God and pleasing them. That's why I'm doing this. And I'm not doing it to gain anything like it. I had this thought that when we are in Christianity, did you ever, do anything and say, I'm doing this because I really want to. I'm not doing this to gain salvation. I'm not doing it to be saved. I'm not doing it to escape hell. I'm doing it because I want to. None of that stuff was taught to me. It was, no, you, you have to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then from there, you have everything good. You don't have to do anything else. Well, we know in faith that there are things that we must do, but it's our, what is your attitude? What is your motivation in doing what you're doing? Are you doing it because it's right to do? Or are you doing it because, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to be condemned. Or if I don't do it, I won't get this or I won't get that. And I'm, I'm just seeing this as it's a, you can do this in, in your life on things. And it just brings so much peace when you're doing things because you want to do it. And especially with it lining up with God, that doing what is right, that you don't have to carry a burden of doing things because you feel like you have to, and you don't want to do it. It's like you, you have compliance, but 
do people realize that there's a transformation from the obligatory aspect, the obligation to the willful. And in Messiah, that's the transformation to where the law is the law forever. But going from an aspect of being under the law, which is obligation, versus being in the law, the spirit of law is submission. And that's ultimately when Messiah talks to the two sides, the sheep and the goats, the one side, well, Lord, when did we do these things? Well, you did these things and you didn't recognize it, but you did them to me. You did them because you wanted to versus you did these things because you thought it would gain you something. And because, Lord, I thought I did these things. Why am I not getting into the kingdom? No, you missed it. You didn't do it because you wanted to. You did it just to gain something from me out of obligation. So get away from me. I'm, I don't know you. I don't have any aspect in what you're doing. So those who are listening in, think about how many things in your life is it your job that you just dread going to every day and just just have to go to work. Know that you can change that your mindset. You can retrain yourself to do things because you want to do them. And for one person, it can be considered work, even though it is work, like you, you go to your job. But for you, it doesn't have to be a big weight, a have to. You can change your attitude to, yes, I have to, but I'm going to enjoy this. And how much it relieves a burden on yourself, but the, the bigger picture of this is faith in God, is we start out to where we're on the obligation side because it's not a desire. We haven't built a desire for God yet. It's just starting at the beginning, but Yah knows the process that, but okay, that yes, you're complying with this out of obligation, but our desire is that you change that to where it's a, an ultimately a submissive aspect to where you're doing this because you want to, and that's ultimately what's pleasing to us because the spirit of the law is that willful compliance, and Messiah had that, that he said, here I am, I've come to do your will, O God, I'm here to do your will, I'm not here to complain, I'm not here to change anything, I'm here to do what you want me to do, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's where we can ultimately have that peace by changing our mindset, but without faith in God, you're not going to ultimately be able to do what we're talking about here, you you must have faith in God in order to get to this position and stay in it. But and fell, get your thoughts here. But that's where my mindset went to that that yes, that we we can't get away from compliance, but in faith in God, that ultimately we have the opportunity to get away from the obligation side and get to the submission side. really important the aspect of obligation okay that that does have its importance <clears throat> this kind of brings me back to when I was younger and whenever we had something new that you hadn't tasted before and you're told to try it you might just like it well when we were younger, mom didn't give us an option. You had to try it. You had to at least try it. And so you're obligated to trying it. And a lot of times, 
because that's the attitude of your mind. You try it. You don't even taste it. You just spit it back in. Oh, don't like that because you know you're being obligated to it. But here's the thing. A lot of things in life and a lot of things in faith, you can't experience if you're not obligated to it first. That how do you how do you build a taste for something an appetite for something if you never try it because a lot of times you'll look at it and you'll be like I don't like that I don't like that and you've never tasted it so you have no idea obligation is a good thing and a bad thing Okay, because the obligation at the beginning is good, but obligation can't carry you into the kingdom. And so when we talk about obligation, it's definitely a part of life's journey, and it's a part of the faith journey. The objective goal is that you are obligated to it until you change your mind that it's something that you want. And then you start working on changing your mind that, no, I like this. It tastes good. You know, a lot of people may not like the taste of Brussels sprouts, but you let that sugar hit your tongue for the first time. Oh, I like that. And you'll go after that because I like it. I, I, I want that. And what, you, what people don't understand is that in order to eat those other things, you have to acquire a taste. Some things, you don't have to acquire a taste because you just like it instantly. It, it would be like a little bit of salt on something is... You, you taste that, and it's like it just gives you that, just that, just enough. But we had this experience before, put too much salt on it, and it's like it's, you, you, you're sending it right back out because you, you put too much on it. So in obligation, you should moderate it so that you are doing it with the intention of First off, giving whatever it is that you're obligated to a chance. Maybe this is good because without obligation, how are you going to taste it enough to taste that the Lord is good, to recognize that the things that are happening in your life are good and they're beneficial for you? You won't experience that if you don't obligate yourself to it first. And that is the aspect of the law, is you obligate yourself to the law until you taste that the Lord is good, and then it becomes a desire to fulfill the law, where pre-circumcision of the heart, you can't fulfill the law either way. But the, what you do is, in essence, you fulfill the law by your attitude. The attitude that you have will determine whether you're doing it for the right reason, 
or you're doing it for the wrong reason. And that's up to each individual to figure that out. But the things of God, and you know this as well as I do, are an acquired taste. Here's the problem. What is being offered about God is not something you should acquire until you make sure that it is truly a godly plate. There's a lot of people who have removed the law. The law has been changed even up to Messiah's time. They changed the law from the origin when it was handed out to Moses on the mountain. Then as it was passed down and the scribes were uh, writing it down supposedly word for word so that it doesn't get changed, Messiah spoke about the lying pen of the scribes. So they lied. So where do we go? Well, we have to go back to the origin of it. A lot of people are obligated to the Bible. A lot of people are obligated to the Mishnah from a Jewish perspective. A lot of people are in that are also uh, obligated to the Talmud, which are all books that were written beyond what's necessary. Messiah, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, gave everybody the understanding of what's necessary for you to find salvation in God through him. And it's in Moses and the prophets. So it's in the law. And then the how God expounded on the law by the prophets to send the message of, okay, this law is out there and you know it's out there and this is what you're doing. You're going to have a consequence for that. That that's this is your consequence. And then you take a nation who's not of Israel and God uses them against Israel, and you see that throughout the Bible. But then because they went against God's people, then they were dealt with. A lot of times they didn't have it wasn't obligated, no, chance to go after these people and try to get rid of them because they're a thorn in our side and yeah, we'll, we'll do it without thinking about, well, what's the consequence for you to go against somebody that God's going to support? Whether they're behaving right or not, not your business. But it would behoove you to take that into consideration. Here's, here's the problem, okay? All your religions out there have the lying pen of the scribes. They've all watered it down. They've changed God from being a terror to being a teddy bear. Where God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God is unchanging. The Bible makes that clear. The, the, the law and the prophets make that clear. But we live in a day and age where people just want to feel good. They just, they just want to feel good. Well, you may as well leave this world because feeling good is not a part of it. I mean, it is to some degree. <coughs> and then you have faith in God. You can really, I mean, you really feel good. And the, the 
uh, listening to the podcast that you and Lexi did about uh, peace and happiness. Yeah, it, it, it'll bring happiness, but happiness is only external and it's only momentary. You, you have to be in a good mood and things have to be a certain way for you to have that happiness where peace Peace is just there because you've done away with chaos. And, of course, that's the stuff you guys talked about on the podcast. <clears throat> when we look at obligation, here's the problem, okay? Because with God, God is an acquired taste. The things of God, the law of God is an acquired taste, which means that you have to obligate yourself to it first. No, I'm, I'm going to do what is right before God. But there comes a point where you have to make a transition between obligation and want to. Because Messiah came and finished his work, you have to get to the place where you're not obligated to it. See, in the Old Testament, before Messiah came, the people were obligated to the law, but there were some that after obligation to the law, they tasted that the Lord is good. So, no, we're going we're gonna to live this law to the absolute best we can. And they knew that they weren't able to do it. They weren't, but this is what we have to, this is what we want to do because it's pleasing to God. Those ones that lived it from that perspective, not those that are living it from the perspective of, well, this is the righteousness of the law and we'll be saved by that righteousness that comes by the law. no. You had some that were doing, or you had many that were doing it that way, but you had some that were, no, I've tasted that the Lord is good, and I want to do these things. I want to live by the law of God, and so they lived that out in the want to, and that's what led them to be able to be uh, rescued by Messiah after he finished his work. And he brought circumcision of the heart to those who had the want to. But those who were obligated to it, no, you're staying here. Because you were just doing it to to gain a, a good name before God instead of, no, I'm doing this because God is the good name and I want to be pleasing to God. So you have that aspect of the willingness. There's... There are some areas of Orthodox Judaism that stick to a strict aspect of under the law, kosher and different refrigerators and different stoves in their house. And, and we're doing all this stuff because this is what the law said and not just the law, but the Mishnah says it. And then in the Mishnah, they don't know, then the, the Talmud talked about it. So we have to do these things in order to be right with God. And they're missing the reality, which is because Messiah has already come, if you still carry that mindset of, a, of strict obedience to the law of God, you forfeit your place in the kingdom because you're not doing it because you want to. You're doing it because you have to, meaning that, <laughs> yes, you have to, but you're doing it because out of obligation. So those people, they might think, well, we're doing this because the law says do it and I'm going to do it and that's what's going to make me right. You're going to end up in hell because of that. So 
you have to have that transformation to the want to in the midst of the have to, because you just like you said, the, the have to is there. You, you have to. It's just a matter of do you want to? And when you make that transformation, you have the ability then to uphold the law. And I listened to a podcast and they, it really sounded like they were kind of belittling Paul because uh, they blame Paul for today's Christianity. They don't blame Jesus. Or what they, they said Jesus, and it's a Jewish thing. I don't understand why they don't use his real name, which was Yeshua. But it was like they were belittling Paul, like blaming Paul for uh, Christianity today and how they how they are and the the uh, they, the anti-Semitism they talk about that the hate the Christians hate the Jews and Paul had nothing to do with that and Paul was an advocate of the law of God. Paul was obligated to it when he was a Pharisee, but when he met Messiah on the road to Damascus. He made a decision that it was no longer going to be obligation. And because of that, he spoke in uh, Romans, Corinthians, uh, most of his books. He brings up the law and the aspect of what the law's for, that it is a must to have that law. But in order for you to be pleasing to God, you have to have the want to to do it. So people today who are living obligated to the uh, Moses and the prophets, they're living in that obligation and there's no transformation to the willingness of it. When they perish, they're going to go to that place of torment. Even though they follow the same law that the Old Testament saints followed, they're still following it by the letter of the law, which kills, not the spirit of the law, which that's what the Old Testament saints came to. So in this day and age where people have removed the Old Testament as an important part of faith, it's not only important, it's pivotal. It's, it's, the first avenue that you must travel through to have true faith in God. You, you have to travel through recognizing that you, you break to the fact that I haven't been doing this stuff and this is what God requires. I'm in trouble. What do I have to do to be right? Well, I have to follow the law. I have to follow the law. Well, so you start following the law under that obligated perspective. But every time you try to follow it, you find yourself falling and not being able to follow it. Then that's when you cry out to Yah and Yah, no, I want to do this law, but I'm not capable of it. Okay, well, let's test you in that. So you go through a time of testing where no matter what you do, your mind stays steadfast in the obedience to God. Even if your actions do something different, you will always fight it. You will always be, no, this is not right. I don't agree with it. I'm not going to do it. So in that perspective, 
I'm I'm not going to do what I do out of obligation to God. I'm going to do what I do because I want to. So here's the problem in this day and age, and this is not in Christianity. Every religion is watered down and has changed things so that God is not God. Hindus make it so that you become your own God. You go through all these reincarnations, and eventually you become your own God. And uh, you can look at the different areas of Judaism and Islam and uh, Christianity, and they've all changed who God is. Now, some of them have kept God in a box, but they still change the law so they can be more comfortable instead of keeping the law like it was when Moses gave it and doing your best to live that because you want to. That's all God was looking for, the change of heart that says, no, I know this is right, that uh, God put this out there for a reason, so I'm going to do my best to live it because that's what I want to do. Well, you get circumcision of the heart, then mother comes in, removes the sinful nature from your heart, places it in the body of flesh. Now you have the ability to do what Paul spoke about, that you have the ability to uphold the law. Do we nullify the law by this faith? Do we remove the old covenant? Do we remove Moses and the prophets? Absolutely not. We adhere to them. We uphold them. We live them every day of our life to the best of our ability, being guided by mother in our heart to say, yeah, like Messiah, it's not the outside of the body that matters. It's the inside. So clean the inside and the outside will be clean too. What are you worried about eating with with dirt on your fingers? But that was such a foreign thing to them. And it's those teachings that Messiah did that were teaching you how to have the the willingness to walk in the law of God, not the obligated perspective of walking in it. That's why they despised him. That's why their cognitive dissonance does not allow them to see he was the Messiah, even though he was the only one that fulfilled the 48 prophecies that were written about him, at least 48 prophecies, okay? And I did a little little calculated research, and do you know what the odds are of one person to be able to fulfill all 48 of those prophecies in the Bible? Uh, Probably very minuscule or it'd be very high odds. Okay. The odds are, just as to compare it to what we know today, would be for you to win the lottery 22 times in a row. Not, Not just 22 times, but 22 times in a row. But because he was speaking to an aspect of the spirit of the law, and not the letter of the law, they 
called him blasphemous and they even called him the devil. And they ignored the fact that he fulfilled every single prophecy that was prophesied about the son of God, but yet their cognitive dissonance, because he's bringing a different message. Certainly if he was from God, he would be bringing exactly what we're saying. And why? Because you're human and you understand everything. No, that's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding is why many people in this world sit in cognitive dissonance, not knowing what, when, where, why, how to do whatever they need to do in order to move forward because they automatically, they don't give it the time of day when it speaks differently or contrary to what they've been programmed. And this is why it's so important for people to understand you're brainwashed. In this world, you're brainwashed and you are mind controlled. And it's okay to be brainwashed and mind controlled, provided that you are the one washing your brain with water through the word and you are the one that's controlling yourself. That, that's where it's necessary and that will get you against away from the obligation. So Christianity spends their time in the New Testament, which is really worthless if you don't have a mindset of adherence to the Old Testament. doesn't matter if you understand why God did what they did. The objective goal is if you believe God, you'll adhere to or you'll make the attempt to adhere to whatever they laid out. So if you remove the Old Testament, you remove Moses and the prophets, how in the world can you have salvation at all? How can you have favor in the eyes of God when the Son of God said they have Moses and the prophets? Let them believe them. So if you just take Moses and the prophets and you go through Moses and the prophets, you have everything you need for salvation. You don't need to have the New Testament because the New Testament is the Old Testament. It's just the spirit of the Old Testament, not the letter of the Old Testament. The letter of the Old Testament killed, and so people who disobeyed the law of God were put to death. Well, it is the exact same thing. I don't care what kind of faith you claim, the law and the prophets are important aspect of what we need to look at, what we need to listen to, and what we need to follow. But we need to. But as for me, I want to. I want to do the, the absolute best I can to live the law of God because it's God's law, and I agree with God. I've repented to God. I've turned my life to them, so I agree with them. I don't have to understand and because I agree with them, I want to do this. I want to live the law to the best of my ability. So I have conversation with mother. Mother, help me to live this law in accordance with the way that it was intended when you expounded the law in the first place from Mount Sinai, when the people, instead of uh, adhering to God, no, put somebody else in front of us. We, we don't want God telling us because that's too scary. Put somebody else. You tell Moses and he'll, 
He'll tell us, and we'll do everything you say. Well, right there, they obligated themselves to the law. And it wasn't all of them that were destroyed in the desert, but all of a generation was destroyed because they didn't walk in adherence and uh, obedience to the law of God. Because obedience to the law is what it's about. You start obeying the law because of obligation, then you make a determination that you like the law, it's good, I want to follow this law, so you're submissive to it. And that's the difference is there's a lot of have-tos in faith, and the, the factor that God is looking at is are you obligated to it or are you submissive to it? I found this interesting, Phil. I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, I had this thought thinking about this. Did you know that in the Bible, from the text, that when they were given manna in the desert, that the manna being given in the desert was before the law being given? And Messiah is saying that he himself, he's the bread that came down from heaven and even mentioned that it said that that rock that followed them in the desert, that the rock was Messiah, that because I had this picture of the 10 commandments, like, and really this is from the cinematic that, you know, Moses is there holding the, 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 the big stone tablets. I hadn't thought about this. Think about what's the spirit of those tablets. And, and just in the wording of it, think about this being under the law versus because you'd mentioned that I had this visual go through my mind that we can up hold the law. So think about if let's just say that the law is a rock like the stone tablets, you're under it. But you, you can't do anything. You're, you're under the law. You're, you're being pressed down. But think about if you were in the rock just like if I put on a jacket that I'm upholding the jacket, that I'm now the law, meaning that the law is of God, but I'm walking in the law. I'm able to uphold the law, meaning it can now be a way of life. It's not an obligation. It's a way of life versus a curse versus a blessing. What's the, and we talk about this, what is the, the motivation, and I remember when Yah told us this this was coming to mind, don't lean on your own understanding. When they said they were exactly right, when they said we hate obligated compliance, we, we don't want you to remain in it. it. It's a part of the journey, but don't remain in it. That would be complacency, right? Yeah, like don't. Like when they say, like a lot of times we'll take it because of perception. Well, I hate it. So no, that they don't want any part of it. No, it's, well, think about it. You hate something versus you love the other. Like it says in the word that Jacob, I have loved and Esau I've hated. Well, think about the different life of each side that you sold your birthright. Well, that I don't want you to give up what you have for something that's not worth it. But I was thinking about this with, um, think about the story of Peter and the sheet from heaven because you had mentioned this, that we're doing this because the law says, the law says, the law says. Well, be careful that you're not 
worshiping the law that you worship God because when Yah came to Peter, Peter kill and eat. Well, no, Lord, these are unclean animals. Peter, what I've made clean is clean, kill and eat. And I could see his programming of, well, no, Lord, you're, the law says, yeah, but that's the law, but I'm greater than the law. So I'm telling you, do this. So a, a transformation from doing this because of obligation, because the law says it and the law is from God, but what's greater, God or the code that was put in place? Well, the code was put in place for a reason, because think about this. And you mentioned this, I never thought about this, but the, the Old Testament, that the New Testament is the spirit of the Old Testament. Well, think about the pictures that you have. You have bread that came down from heaven. All right, so they're, Yah is giving them what they need. You need to eat of my son. That I'm, I'm giving you a picture of manna from heaven, and he's going to be the embodiment of this law that's being given. That he's going to be the one to show you what the law of God, the way it should be lived, is a attitude of willing compliance. And it's interesting because I hadn't thought of it this way either, that with the that you can't desire something that you don't know about. It'd be like, how fair would it be for God to say, well, you just need to desire me, but you haven't, I don't know what it is to, I don't know your ways. How am I going to know which to desire you if I don't even know what to desire or what to do or anything? So it's one of those, it's a process in the journey. And what came to mind was, is that what do we need to do to be fully pleasing to God? Not just pleasing, but because the word says that get to the point where you're fully pleasing, which what does Yah really want in this? Well, I want to get to the point where I'm fully pleasing to God. Well, that's the transformation that you're talking about from the obligation to the, you really want to do it. And then therefore it doesn't matter what Yah says or does that you're willing to go along with it. Not because a law says it is because it's right to do, because think about the wording obligated compliance versus will full. Well, what's the will of God to do what is right, fair, and just. So what is your will? Well, I want to do what's right, fair, and just. All right. So your will lines up with theirs. So why would it not be pleasing? Because that's what they do. They do everything because it's right, fair, and just. That's why they do it. They don't do it to gain something from us. They do it because it's right to do. Well, that's where they want you to be is when you transfer there, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's righteousness, peace, joy, doing what is right. And like you were saying, you have to start there, but it's just like you, you start with school. Well, you get to a point where you have graduation, where you're moving on now. Let's move on to maturity. Let's move on to where we're doing things in submission, not in a obligatory perspective, because that's the elementary way. That's a way to be a schoolmaster to you. But now the sun has come to where now it's time to be mature like he is and not let, let's get away from the old way of this being under the law and, and the, that it starts there because it's to teach you the ways of God so that you transfer to look at the life of the sun. That, that's what I'm looking at, that you're doing this because you really want to do it. 
not to gain anything, not to justify yourself before God. Because, shoot, when we when we're born, we're already a lawbreaker anyway. So, what is following this ladder of law going to do to justify before God? It, it's it's the the point is is faith, because the word says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, if you want to please God, do it by faith, not by thinking that there's something you can do to impress God by works. No, like what what are you gonna do to of yourself to be right before God? No, I'm the one that's made the way for you to be right before me. That you who are you to think that you can be righteous just by keeping some kind of written laws that go ahead. Right, but I would ask you this. How does that speak to what we've talking about? What yeah, what we've spoken about already about um that you have to be obligated to it first before you're submissive to it. No, I agree with you. Yeah. The, um, the ultimate place is yes, you, you do start with the, the obligation and Yah is okay with that. But as I'm saying, they're not okay with you remaining in that, that it's, it's a moving on like, Hey, you've been in fifth grade already. You've been in it two times. It's time for you to move on from, it's time for you to get these things. Just think about this from my perception is that, you, we actually started out that way because we didn't have this understanding that, wow, that we actually did this. Well, you know, I'm doing these things to be pleasing to God. Just, yeah, thank you coming to mind that I did the exact same thing, thinking that I was being good enough before them, but then realized, no, that your good enough is found in, in my son and faith in him. So it's, it's definitely a, yes, you have to be obligated to the law, but transform to to where it's willful. And that makes sense that that's the transformation from the old to the new covenant. That the old covenant, the, the covenant is the same, but you transfer from the obligation because what was the covenant they made? God will do everything you say. All right, well, it's obligated. So now I'm going to renew it and we're going to make it to where it's an everlasting covenant in my son, that in that I can bring reconciliation between the Jew and the Gentile to make one new man out of the two sides to where we can bring peace now, because you've, you've got the the Jews thinking they're right, and then the Gentiles think that they have what it is, and then they're fighting against each other. Well, let's make a, a reconciliation here so that all things are brought together, that peace is made in Messiah. But this is, you can use the physical to understand the spiritual. So think about the work that we do, the jobs in the world that you go to a job, you have to be obligated to it because if not, then you're not going to have any rules to follow any, you wouldn't have a job to do that. You're obligated to do it because you do this to earn a wage. But how much more peace can you have than yes, they they're still obligated to pay me a wage but I'm going to do this work because I want to. How much more peace do you have as opposed to if you just go to work and you don't want to do it and you still get the paycheck, but you grumble and you complain against it where in faith we should not be complaining anymore unless it's something that's a godly reason. We should be walking in gratitude of what Yah has done and continues to do. 
because what do you really deserve? You deserve hell. So don't complain. Just be grateful that you have the opportunity to escape hell and be in the kingdom of God. And uh, I'm seeing this more as we talk of it's a mindset change for you to get it into your heart to do the things because you really want to do them. And that's where you put to death chaos, because if you're doing something because you don't want to, it's obligation. And that's where the chaos is that that's where the, under the law, the frustration, the aggravation. So let's transform from, yes, you're there for a time, but and you mentioned Paul in, in the writings that you've been set free from the law so that you can be joined to another, like meaning like from the written code, not from, we're not getting rid of the law. Right. You've been set free from the, the law of sin and death. Which is where under the law lies because you can't be right before God because the sin nature is there and you do everything that you can possibly do and you're just, but you're just being under this weight that I'll give you a rest from that. All right. Get out from being under the law and walk in the law with me, uphold the law, walk in agreement with it. Don't fight against it. Don't look to be absolutely perfect in it because y'all didn't come to them at Mount Sinai and say, you have to be absolutely perfect before me. They were just, I'm, I'm just telling you the way of righteousness. It'd be like, don't steal. Okay. I won't steal. I'll do exactly what you say. Wait, wait a minute. Just listen to me. Let, let me explain what I expect. You're the one that obligated yourself to it. I'm just telling you, like y'all didn't say you have to be obligated, but they did that because of fear The um, they were terrorized and just made me think of, you have to start there because you've got the sin nature that you don't have a tasting for the things of God. You have the tasting for the things of self. So you've got to acquire a taste for the things of God so that you can then desire the things of God. And that's ultimately the goal to get to is you're walking in the ways of God because it's what you desire versus what you don't desire. Like we, it's just like, that's your nature. What can you do? You can't, if you're a dog, you have a dog's nature. You have sin, you have the sin nature. You can't ultimately continue in the things of God if you don't have the godly nature because you're you're, you're not godly. You're being selfish in the situation. But I'm just curious. I've never before coming to faith in God in this, that like, do you ever, it'd be interesting if they had a sermon in, in Christianity, it says, you know, do you really want to be here? Oh yeah, I really want to. Is that really true? Or do we have to do these things? Or cause I came across a, um, a Facebook post of a, a pastor and says that he was having a conversation with his son on Romans. He said, yeah, we were going through Romans. And he says, yeah, um, my son was going through Romans 6 and 7, and it was just all confused and just couldn't figure it out. And he says, yeah, you know, I've been to seminary, and I still don't, you know, this is still is confusing to me. And it's like, wow. But with where you are, are you capable to understand what Paul is writing? in Romans or not even just six or seven, but just the whole book of Romans. Do you, without mother, how are you able to even understand what it's saying? But the, well, I went to seminary and I still don't, but what's your reliance on? Is it this worldly seminary or is it on 
God to mother, help me to understand. I don't understand what Paul is saying here. Help me to understand. Well, that's because they don't get in depth into the understanding of the old covenant and how that ties to how that shows you the faith of Messiah. How, how do you expect that you're going to not be confused? Cause here's the thing you can't have understanding of the new covenant. If you don't first understand the old covenant. Now, when I mean, understand the old covenant, meaning that, before circumcision of the heart, you can only understand it from the perspective that it's there for, which is for you to see God as a terror, for you to know that the only way for you to be right before God is to live the law perfectly. And then you make a decision out of obligation. I'm going to do the best I can. I don't want to go to hell. I'm going to do the best I can to live this law. So you start in that obligated perspective, but then you have to move to the submissive perspective where wow, this, this is really good. I really want to do this. And in order to do these things, there's some digging into your subconscious that you have to do because subconsciously you have things that will hold you back. And just because your conscious mind thinks you're doing something because it's nice or because it's good for somebody else, until you dig into your lower conscience, you don't see that it's actually driven by your selfishness as to why you did that for that person. Uh, it fulfills some sort of need that you have, and that's why you did it. And somebody else, quote unquote, got the benefit for it. Here's a thought I had. How many people, and you see it all over the place, want God to be submissive to them? I mean, you look at well you know, God will do this or God will do that. And, and God's going to save this and God's going to save that. And he's going to heal. And, and somebody gets healed and they're like, Oh, praise God, God healed. And God's being submissive to me where, how do you expect God's going to be submissive to you? If you're not first submissive to God, see God though, uh, though they be a terror, They'd be a, a very big terror organization. They will work in submission to those that are on their side. It goes back to draw near to God and they will draw near to you. If you approach God with arrogance, then they're going to approach you with arrogance. They're going to approach you with the aspect of who they are as a terror. If you approach God with submission, they're going to submit. If you approach God with humility, then God will be humble to you. If you put yourself in a true position of humility and you, you I, do that for God first, then God will put themselves under you as perceived as, as you're better, even though you're not. But in order for you to be humble before God, you've got to be humble before people here. And humility, people like to, to kind of soften that where it has stipulations instead of, well, yeah, I'll be humble, but 
I'm not going to be a doormat. No, humility means you have the same mindset that Paul did, which was, I'm worse than this person that I'm looking at, and therefore, I'm not going to hold anything against them. If they want to rub their feet on this doormat, let them rub their feet on the doormat. What's that to me? I'm just living here in a body of flesh. It's going to perish anyway. And as soon as you start complaining about what somebody else did that affects you, you're not being humble because you're not thinking about all the times that you did something to somebody else that affected them and you didn't care about it. So you're not being humble. You think you are, but you're not because you're not putting yourself below somebody else. It doesn't mean that that removes you out of the kingdom. If you have your place in the kingdom, you have your place. And if you have your place, that gives you the reason to be humble before mankind that somebody curses you, somebody hates you, somebody hits you. No need to strike back because somewhere along my life, I've hated somebody. I've hit somebody. I've cursed somebody. And how does that make me any better just because of the faith that I have in God? It doesn't. And so the objective goal for me in humility with God is to live the humility the way Messiah did. And people hated him. They, they persecuted him. They, they, uh, they beat him. They hung him on a cross. Then why should I not do the same? He, he reduced himself being king, but not yet king because he takes his kingship in when, when all this is complete. He was a king, and he washed the feet of the disciples. He came here for those who are lost and broken. And you trample on him. And while he was here, he was okay with that. But now that he's moved into perfection, you're not going to trample him anymore. Now, many people uh, in, in perception here by not following the Old Testament and just professing, well, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're, you're still trampling on Messiah because you still continue to sin. You, you still continue to sin and claim that you have this faith in him where it's made clear in the word that there is no sin in him. So the different things that the way we approach God, God will approach us. If we approach God with obligation, then God's going to approach us with obligation. If we approach God with submission, God's going to approach us with submission. If we approach God with arrogance, God's going to approach us with arrogance. If we approach God with humility, then God will humble themselves under us. And that's the whole, and it's not that they're, uh, just because they humble themselves under us, does not remove any of the strength and the power that they have because it actually, you have to use more uh, restraint in holding back than you do in striking. There's more restraint because you want to, but no, I, I was this person 
before I have this faith. And I'm not going to hold it against them. It doesn't mean I'm going to coddle you. I'm not going to coddle you and just whisper sweet nothings in your ear just so that you will feel good. No, if it has pertains to the truth of God and God has appointed me to make it clear to you, then that's what I'm going to tell you. What you do with it, that's up to you. But it's not done out of hatred. It's not done out of um, spite. It's just done because this is what God, this is the law of God. It's right, it's fair, it's just and true. And God wants me to share this with you. And whether you want to hear it or not, doesn't matter. God says, I've got a message for you to bring to this person. You bring it. It doesn't matter if they're going to listen or not. Just like with Jeremiah. I've got a message for you. You're going to take it to the people, but they're not going to listen to you. But he still took the message. God sends those messages to people who aren't going to listen for one reason. Well, probably other reasons, but this is one that comes to mind. Removal of excuses. There will be no man will be able to have an excuse on the day of judgment before God. And therefore, Every time, whether you want to hear it or not, somebody's telling you something, you're like, I don't want to hear that. Just leave me alone. You've been warned. And when you stand before God, that moment's going to flash before the screen. Do you remember this when I sent this person to you to give you this message? And this is how you responded? Get over here, you, you worker of iniquity. You didn't have in mind the things of me. You had in mind the things of man, of the world. And so this is, uh, when we talk about these things, when we talk about the aspect of the have to, there are many things from faith that you have to do. It's a requirement. I'll, I'll put it as it's a requirement. Let's take the have to off of that and say let's that it's a requirement. It's still a have to, but... It, you're required to do specific things to be in the kingdom of God. And even one of those requirements is that you remove the obligated perspective and you do it with a submissive mindset and heart. When you remove the obligated perspective, that opens the door for you to be able to submit to it, to be able to do things that you couldn't do in the past because you're choosing to submit rather than be obligated. And we want to make it clear that obligation is a part of the journey at the beginning until you taste that the Lord is good and you make a decision in your mind that I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this because I want to. It's no longer about doing it because I'm going to get salvation because of doing it. That's an obligated perspective for somebody to say, you know, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay, well, that's an obligated perspective. And here's the thing that happens in obligation. Obligation is the epitome of failure. Because when you are doing things out of obligation, eventually, you're not. You're just going to get tired of doing it. No, I'm, no, I'm tired of this. I'm not doing this anymore. And you quit your job or you quit doing what you're doing and you do something else. You obligate yourself to something else until you get to that same point. Or you get to the point where you decide, you know what? 
I'm going to be submissive to my job, not going to be obligated to my job. And that's a transformation that I had made where I actually enjoy going to work. I don't mind going to work. Uh, I know that this body is built for work anyway, to uh, constant movement. And I enjoy my job. And anybody else can too, if you submit to it, which means, well, I'm not the boss. So I, and I've agreed to do these things and whatever the boss says, that's what I'm going to do. Cause I don't have to answer for it. If it's wrong, it doesn't matter in my mind. If I'm like, well, that's not going to work. That's, that's wrong. Now your boss may give you the opportunity to voice what you think, but if he doesn't or she doesn't, then oh, this is what you want me to do. Okay. I don't have to answer for it. If it comes down, well, why'd you do that? Cause you told me to, I, I was doing what you asked me to do. And that's the beauty part is when God asks you to do things, they're not going to come back and say, why'd you do that? No. Wow. Okay. I can see that you want to do what's right before me. And so go ahead and do this. Peter, kill and eat. Because Peter was like, oh, the law says, and I'm, I'm following the law. And God says, um, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Sacrifice is what I desire. Or no, let me take, take that back. Obedience is what I desire. Sacrifice is a part of obedience. But obedience is what I desire. And you obey the things of God in obligation until you change your mind to obey the things of God in submission. And that's where circumcision of the heart comes in and gives you the ability to start making changes that you couldn't make. Make you, you, when you think that you're getting better without these concepts that we're talking about, you're just lying to yourself. And eventually you're going to find yourself in that position of, did I really, did I really accept Jesus? Did I, am I really following Moses and the prophets? Am I really doing what is right? When those thoughts come, my advice is to take that as a sign to say, you better do some evaluation because if you're thinking that, there's a good possibility that you're not where you think you are. And don't let the aspect of cognitive dissonance hold you there. Let the reality of truth of God and the word of God hold you there. Had the scripture word of God come to mind and just thankful to you for bringing this around that because yes, we can read the Bible, but it's the, it's Yah that helps that opens up to where we can see the spirit, the, the actual truth of it. The word, when it says draw near to God and they'll draw near to you is exactly what had been coming out is that it's saying in the way that you draw near to them is the way that they'll draw near to you. It's not just that you just, Oh God, you're there. And then, Oh look, God's just coming close to me. Well, we know because of sin that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So in how you approach God, 
then God will approach you. It's just like that. That's that's the spirit of that's the truth of that scripture. Just going deeper. Yes, you draw near to God. They will draw near to you. But it's how you do it is then in essence how they draw near to you. And I, I had this as y'all would do. They'll bring a a visual to mind. It was either last night or the night before, and this came to mind. Are you coming to Yah as they're a river? and you're coming to them for the water or are you coming to them like a faucet? And it made me think of, well, I want something from God. So you just turn the water on, turn it off where Yah is just ever flowing and going and you come to them where they are. And I had this thought with that, that how would somebody react to this? And we came from Christianity. If we said, stop treating God like a prostitute, Yah's not a prostitute, but we treat God like that because I'm just coming to you to get my pleasure, get what I want from you, and then I leave you alone. And then I come back to you to get what I want, and then I leave, and then I come back and get what I want. Because concepts like this, because we were told by God, specifically they told us stop having sex with God, meaning stop treating us as your own pleasure toy or somebody to go to for pleasure to get what you want. That That's not who we are. Stop doing that. Have relationship with us. Bond with us, not just to get something from us. And that coming to mind for me, just in my relationship with my wife, is that stop looking to get something from her. Look to have relationship and bond. And, you know, just not just in just one aspect, but just in just having relationship with somebody that how would you feel if somebody was just coming to you just to get something from you? And I thought about you actually this morning and you'll know this person when I, I won't say their name, but you'll know who it is. Hey, can I borrow this tool? And can I, but that's all you call me for. You don't, you're not trying to have any, no, how are you doing? How's the church going? How? Hey, tell me about it. And oh, you really want to relate to me. No, you don't want to relate to me. You just want to come to me for something you want and then toss me to the side. And the reason I'm saying this is in the past, that I've done that with God, that I just want something from you and I'll come to you when I want it. And then other than that, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And we shouldn't be doing that. Yes. Do we have to have prayer with God to have communication and relationship? Yes. But it should be when we come near to God that we should want to. And again, it starts as obligation, like we said, but a transformation to you really want to relate to God and have conversation and we even recently with this, this was revealed to us about prayer that, or did you, you're not seeing this and then, oh, and what do we do with it? No, I've already got that. I don't need that. It's, oh, I didn't realize. Okay, well, I'm going to make a change. So that's what I'm going to do. And then you do it. And then, wow, look how everything is improving and getting better. So definitely seeing a change from requirements to what do you do with it's like you have the requirements. What do you do with them? Do you leave them to where, all right, well, there's the requirements. I have to do it to where, all right, these are the requirements. And these have to be done. But what is my mindset going to be in this? Am I going to take this on as, is my attitude going to be, I really don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway? Or, you know what? I agree with this. I want to do it. I'm going to do it because I agree with it. I was just thinking about that. Like with 
the things of God, you could go to them and be like, well, I don't agree with this, but I'll do it anyway. Well, have you really acquired a taste for it yet? Your mindset shouldn't be that you don't want to do it. It should be you want to. And then you go through the process of getting it to the submissive side. And I was just thinking about that, that you look at it and you've got to acquire that taste first to where, all right, I really like this. And then that should propel you to make it to where you change your mind. Like, like that it's not an immediate thing. Like it's going to take time to do anything because you start a new job. You've got to, all right, I'm, I'm thinking that I would like to do this. And then you get in there and you're like, well, I don't know about this, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. And then you stick with it. And then you find out, wow, I really do like this. And then you ultimately get to the place where it's really beneficial for you with, because really, if you do it from the submissive side, that's where the benefit is because I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up that you, if you really want to do something, how is there failure? You're just, I'm just learning and growing in, in this. Well, I, well, I didn't see that. I'll, I'll continue getting better. It's like when you quit, it's kind of like you think that, you know, you can't do any better or anything like that. So, and obviously we don't want to, once we're in faith, we don't want to quit, but just thinking about this, that you can, with people listening, you can change your mind to, I'm going to do things because I really want to do them. And then you have to go through the process of figuring out where you're doing things from obligation to then change them to the willful side of it. Well, like you were talking about with prayer, it's important that people, and we've talked about this before, that it's a communication, that it's a back and forth, that you're tuning your ear to hear their voice so that you can hear their voice. And you want God to listen to you, then you have to listen to them. And how can you listen to them if you can't hear their voice? Well, I'll tell you, the law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets, you listen to God through Moses and the prophets until you can hear the voice of God. God spoke to his people back then. God speaks to his people today. I had a conversation yesterday with you in the hot tub about uh, the Jews and Will will any of them be saved in this generation rather than they have to wait until the uh, revelation happens and the abomination that causes desolation? And <clears throat> Yah gave me some uh, deeper understanding of the abomination that causes desolation uh, by speaking back. But that's because I listen for their voice. And it took me a while in uh, this journey to get to the point where I could tune in their voice to recognize that, well, this is God, not the enemy. And then you tune it into where you start to separate. Oh, okay. Well, that was Abba because of the, the, this is the way he spoke. And well, that was mother because she's more of the uh, comfort guiding teaching perspective and that was messiah because he he comes to you like a, a sibling like a brother or a sister and you you but it's a process that you have to learn because you're not going to hear their voice uh whether verbally or through 
extrasensory perception until you you go to the law of God, because the law of God is there to speak to people, Moses and the prophets. And that's why Messiah said, listen to Moses and the prophets. In essence, what he was saying was, listen to what God's saying. Look at the terror of who God is and make a decision that you don't want to be on the, the, the bad side of the terrorist. You want to be on the good side so that you're pleasing to them, and therefore they're going to leave you alone. And too many people don't recognize and understand that perspective of it. So it's important that you, if you want God to listen to you, and again, just drawing this back to the draw near to God and they'll draw near to you, you have to listen for them and you have to really want to hear their voice. You have to know that God speaks to their people. And then God, I know you speak to your people and I'm going to ask you a question and I'm not going to go on and on and on question after question after question and request after request after request. I'm going to ask you one question. I'm going to wait for an answer. I'm going to look in your word to see if you answer me in the word. I'm going to do with due diligence. I'm going to look into these things because I know you speak to your people. You have to know that God speaks to their people in order to be able to have this communication with God. And after time and practice of you doing it through the word first and adhering to what the word says, which shows that you're, you're believing what God says, then they will verbally or through extrasensory perception where you'll hear it in your mind, where they're talking to you. <clears throat> and I have that opportunity now but I didn't have that when I first started the journey and times where like, I, I don't hear the voice of God, but I did hear it when I was, would look into the word and I would make decisions about what I was going to do based on what the word said. Okay. Well, I'm listening to God because that's what the, the Bible says. So that's what I'm going to do. And so you don't need the uh, new Testament you don't need the the uh, mitzvah or the Talmud. You, you need Moses and the prophets. If you listen to them, you'll be listening to God. And if you listen to God and you make that decision that you're going to submit to God, then God will walk you along the journey of the gospel message to bring you to circumcision of the heart so you can live in this life without sin with communication to them and without obligation to the law, but a submission to the law, because I want to, I, I spoke to God yesterday and just telling him that, that I want to see what the origin and the, the aspect of your laws are. Teach them to me so I can live them in, a, in accordance with that. And they're not going to do it all at once but they're going to give me what I need and then I'll have to process each one and then I'll live it out according to the spirit of it rather than the letter of it. Because again, the letter kills, the spirit saves. So we want the spirit of the law, but in order to do that, we have to draw near to God first so that they will draw near to us 
So like I was talking about with communication with them, you draw near to God by the Old Testament, by looking in it and seeing who God is and what is the punishment for those who disobey what God says. Well, you've disobeyed what God says. That's to bring you to a broken point of, oh my gosh, I'm condemned. I'm, I'm going to go to hell which is supposed to drive the contrition, which is the repent, the turn, the, the desire to do something different. No, I'm changing my life. I'm doing something different. I'm going to make a difference. That's the uh, as, aspect and the attitude of a broken and contrite heart is that you break and then your contrition is the repentance, the turn, the drive, so you'll feel the break, and then in that break, you have an opportunity to make a decision, or you can just, uh, the woe is me with the worldly sorrow and live in regret. So just uh, some other important things there. I saw you, something came to you. And it, it was in the uh, question came to me as opposed with the, with the have to. It just came to mind, do you know why we have to be in Messiah? I was just sitting there like, wow. Because when you die, like it says, we're dead to the law, like the written code in the body of Christ. When we die, when we crucify with him, we need a body. Because we're a new creation. I was just like, wow, so that's. That's where the rest is, because when we die to selfishness, we're a new creation. We're buried with him in baptism and raised into newness of life. He's our body. That's where the rest is, because in this body of flesh, like when we're in the flesh, it's chaos that we don't have the rest. So when we die, because the written code kills, so that drives us to the point to die, to where we're now raised in the newness of life, not in the old way of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit that we're in Messiah. He's our body. Then when we die, when we perish, that since the sin nature has been taken out of the heart and put on the body of flesh, we're in him. So now when we're in him, when we're perfected is when we come out of him where we have a new body. But before then, like, because you either, if you're not in him, then you remain in the flesh. And when you go before God in the flesh, get away from me uh, out. So I was just like, that's another explanation. Like if somebody were to say, well, why do you have to be in Christ? I don't get it. That's another aspect is that because if not, then our spirit is just floating around at unrest that you need a body in order to walk the spirit of it, because that's the body. That's where the rest is. In Messiah is you're in me. And because you're in me, you can rest and you, you walk as I did. So that, that's what came to mind. Right. Because the, just hitting that you, you spoke on what, what hit me is that's how, because you have the body of Messiah, that's why you should walk as he did. Those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. Why? Because you're in his body, your, your, your heart, mind, and soul or in his body, you've been removed from the body of flesh. He is a separation between your body of flesh that has a sinful nature in it and your heart, mind, and soul, which is in him. 
And this is the importance of what we've talked about, about being in that spot, because when the sinful nature is on the flesh and you're in him, then you go everywhere he goes. You don't go everywhere the, the sinful nature goes. And so that's why you're able to increase and improve and get better at things rather than to just remain in them. And if you remain in sin, then you're still in your old body. And if you're still in your old body, you're going to sin. There's nothing you can do about it. And you know you sin. It's not until you have a clear conscience that you know that you've been relieved of sin because Messiah is the separation between the sinful nature and your body of flesh and your heart, mind, and spirit. Because the spirit of somebody, and Scripture talks about this, that when a spirit goes out of a man, it goes to arid places and it desires to have a body to come into. So it comes back and finds that that man's house has been swept clean, which means the, the demon or the spirit has gone out, but it's not occupied. So I'm coming back in because even the spirits of the uh, angels that, that fell, they can take on, that's, that's where we have possession. They can take on a human body. They can take on any living thing <clears throat> they can take on as a body. They can, they could enter into the tree, into a grass, into the pigs, into dogs, into uh, bears, into any kind of living creature, including humans. That's, that's what possession is about. You don't want that aspect. Uh, so you get away from that by God and faith in Messiah that you're removed because your spirit outside of your body of flesh without being in Messiah is in an arid place and it's constantly uh, looking for a body to dwell in, and that's going to be the torment in the abyss, in hell, is that you're going to have a whole bunch of mind, heart, and soul uh, that are floating around in this bottomless pit longing to have a body to live in where those who have true faith in God will gain that new body when they come out of Messiah and enter into the kingdom. We, we come out of Messiah, we enter into a new body, we'll be given a new body because the spirit, the heart, mind, and soul are intended to dwell in a living body. And so that's why demons can take on Humans, they can take on uh, pigs, you know, the scripture in the Bible. Let us go into the pigs. Okay, so they go into living things. Why? Because it's an arid and a place they don't want to be just floating around. And so just we don't want to be in that condition, so we have to be in Messiah so we have the circumcision of the heart. So mother takes that, puts it on the body of flesh, and 
your body of flesh and the sinful nature are now divided by the skin of Messiah. So now, because he did what he did, he bears he bears the weight of that in his body, but his his body that he left here, then we can carry out the things of the spirit because of the work that Messiah did, but we're in him. And if we're in him and he is our body, we must walk as he did. And if you can sit there and say that, well, I don't, I, I don't live my life like Messiah did, then you're not in him. You don't have his body because when you take on his body, you take on his life. You eat of his flesh, you drink of his blood, you do what he did, you live his life. That's the reality of it. And if you're not living his life, you don't have faith in God. And this is, you know, people be like, well, that's harsh. Or you, you, well, this goes back to the origin of God. And I, we're not here to coddle people and try to uh, soften things. No, I, I actually don't want to coddle people and soften things. I want to leave things the way God set them in the beginning and let them remain as hard things to deal with that you have to figure out how to have faith in God in order to be able to deal with them on a peaceful level so that you have that peace and that comfort and the joy that comes with life. Well, just think about how much of a torment, if you wanted to put it to a physical representation that without a body, that the the flames, the lake of fire, that it's just like, if you get burned, like how much a, a burn is just such a, a seething pain, just, just, just painful and just tormenting. Well, we don't know what, and see, that's the thing. We don't know what it's like not to have a body to be in a body. And that's the thing where people think, Oh, this is hell. No, you don't know what it's like to have separation from a body to where you're just floating around out there and, so people don't know that. And that's the thing that people make statements. Well, this is hell or this is heaven. Well, you don't know what heaven is like because you haven't been there. And that's, that's, what's interesting is in Messiah that Messiah is in heaven and we dwell in him. But that's the thing is that people will say, well, somebody's in heaven. Yeah, but they couldn't be because the only way you could be in heaven is you would have to have a perfected body and you don't have that yet. Um, and that person doesn't have that. They're waiting either at Abraham's side or the place of torment. And the t- until they come up before Yah, and then you're given, you're not able to enter into the kingdom on that. But yeah, this is just to bring things back around. And this is a, a good stopping point for us. We've covered a lot that there are things, there are requirements in faith in God, but we should be transforming, realizing that yes, there are requirements to, there is a place of submission and Submission is the place where we can be fully pleasing to God that, yes, it is a journey, but the the desire of God is that we walk in their ways willfully, and they know that it's a journey and that they're patient, but ultimately the journey is to find yourself in Messiah where you're walking as he did, which is that willful compliance that he's walking in the requirements of God, but he's not focused on the requirements. He's focused on doing what's right, fair, and just, what's pleasing to God, so so another good conversation. What I find interesting about what Yah does is um, it always slides. I, I just I'm just full of visual pictures. The truth is always there, and there's just so many little 
topics that you go to, but it always centers around the truth of God, that the truth of God doesn't change. It's just, we get more understanding of it. And just this, the, do I have to ultimately leads back to the truth of God again, no matter how we come at this, that it'll always go back to the truth. And that's what it's based on. So enjoy the conversation, enjoy the truth, the understanding Yah gives us. And we'll pause here for now. And, um, Lord willing, this coming Tuesday, I will be on the podcast with uh, Cindy, your wife, and we'll be talking about some godly stuff and um, look forward to it. But until then, everybody have a good Saturday. We'll sign off for now, and um, we appreciate you listening in. But um, with the listening in, the the hope is, is that those that are listening will take this information, go to God, evaluate it, search it out, and then apply the truth of God once discovered. So we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.